All right. Episode 30. We are live. Amon Ailani, Jason yep. Del Garande. I know him. That's why I'm talking <laughs> like that. <laughs> I was in his wedding, but we'll get to that later. All right. Amon, uh, we're going to talk people cold brew. Jason, we're going to talk Heffernan Insurance at the end. Amon, you know how we do it. Tell us a little bit of the uh, story behind People Cold Brew. We're talking coffee. Uh, when did it start? What's it all about? Yeah, so thanks thanks for having me on, Mark. Um, I was born and raised in Dubai, and back back home, I grew up around a really great coffee culture. Um, the sweet smell of dates and dark roast coffee filled every home I grew up in. But I was never really a coffee drinker until I moved over to America for college. So just graduated from Bellin University, just outside of Boston, and I never really drank coffee until my freshman year. Um, there was one night when I, there was one night when I needed a, a caffeine boost, and for whatever reason, I I didn't I didn't have any options, so I grabbed a bottle from a vending machine, and it was just so full of sugars that I had no no choice but to have a sugar crash, and after I had that sugar crash, I was like, okay, there has to be a better a better way, a better option. So I collaborated with my family who's been in business for years and we created People Cold Brew. And now you've been in business for years. So give us, give us that, that story. Uh, what, what's the framework there? Yeah, so we incorporated. So I was, an, I was an entrepreneurship major at Bentley. And as part of my major, we all have to start and launch our own ventures in order to graduate. A lot of my friends did something smaller like dorm cleaning services or car cleaning services. But I thought, you know, I have this massive passion for coffee. Why not put it in a can and, and go to the market with it? So I, I did that. We incorporated in September and we faced every issue you could possibly imagine. But a lot of the early kind of few months was learning, getting things down, finding co-packers and stuff like that. And it's been it's been a great partnership. Um, and now we're about we're about ready to, to enter the retail market. So things took a little longer than I would have liked, but I was a full-time student. So trying to give myself some grace for that. Okay, now we're talking the coffee market, right? Very competitive. Absolutely. All CPG is competitive. We're in a competitive space. All, but coffee is competitive. You've got some bohemus in there. What are you going to do to stand out? Do you have a specific strategy uh, that you guys are going to be running with? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that we found when I just talked to my friends who were one of some of my first consumers is they said that our cold brew company is so different because we're local, we're independent, we're family owned. Um, I come from an ethnic background and I bring my own story to that. And my story is not something that anybody else has. So that's our key differentiator. But on a, on a coffee perspective, what we found is that a lot of the current cold brews in the ready to drink market are a lot darker roasted, um, whereas we're a lot lighter. So we're on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And that kind of helps us, helps us stand out because we, we're more fruity, we're more chocolatey, and our consumers love the taste. So you, you found a co-packer. Uh, for those that are watching and they want to get into, uh, you know, the food and beverage space, what were the first steps that you made in terms of uh, identifying that co-packer? I think the biggest thing is just finding someone that believes in you, that can see your vision. Um, that's one of the biggest struggles that I had is obviously as a college student, not a lot of people could see my vision 
um, like I could. Um, so once I found a co-packer that could see my vision and could see how far I wanted to take this, then I thought, you know what, this is awesome. And yeah, we, we got to, up to work. Were, were you able to do some smaller runs out the gate? Um, again, a, a lot of times you could get charged for using the line, as they say, for, for those watching it, if you're basically running smaller runs, uh, that aren't at the minimums, a co-packer would be glad to charge you uh, for the day use. Uh, and it's quite expensive. Um, is that something that you ran into at your, your first runs? Yeah. So what, what made it great is that our, our co-packer right from the get-go said, listen, our, our minimum is pretty small. So our minimum was only one pallet, um, yeah. which is about 80 cases, 80, 24 packs, right? So not too bad, um, but they were like, we'll, we'll help you. So yeah, we did do tasting rounds and it was, it was awesome. I, I loved, I loved the experience. I love getting to see my coffee come to life. And I remember the day I held my first can, I, I was just like, this is crazy. You're like, this is like a little baby being born. Um, and it, it's been a great journey ever since. Well, no, the baby being born is a lot louder than that. I can tell you that for sure. Um, but I get the sentiment. Now, uh, you, I'm assuming, are direct to consumer out the gate. When did that happen? You must have turned on either your website or you're moving it, some of the stuff to Amazon. What does that look like? Yeah, so we're actually, that's interesting you say that because we're actually not. Um, we're launching, we're launching direct into retail at the end of the summer, but basically what happened was we just realized that perishable shipping is just so expensive. I mean, it's, it's borderline impossible. Um, if you're, if you're not VC funded. So we, I, I went the old school way. I rented refrigerated trucks and I, I just started, I just started making routes, selling it myself to my friends. And then once I got the money and once I was profitable, um, we pursued distribution and we're in the process of doing that right now. Very cool. Okay. So you went to local stores in your area. Again, you're in the Boston area, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. Correct. Got it. So you go to local areas, your corner stores, you start putting some product in there and start having some, some data points where you're selling and finding some, some information as far as the consumer. Exactly. And it's, it's all about, it's all about, I think at some point you just have to get gritty. You have to get, um, I, I don't know how to, you just have to get ready to fight and, you know, trudge through the mud. And, but it was actually very early on that I, I kind of just pitched my product to a distributor and I said, Hey, this is what we got. And they were like, okay, we love it. Um, they gave me a list of their key accounts. I pitched to them. They loved it. And now we're in the process of onboarding. So I didn't go the full, um, long way around, but I, I definitely didn't get a shortcut. You gotta be gritty folks. Did you hear him say it? Gritty. Uh, yes, that is a great way to start a business, especially if you don't have cash or you don't have cash to risk. Uh, you can get a product out there. You can go to corner stores. You can go to local stores. You can find small distribution in your region uh, and see what happens. I think that's the, the best route to go. Um, I've talked about it many, many times. So end of summer, I think there is potentially a name change. Uh, tell us what that is and give us a little behind the scenes on, on how that uh, how that move happened. Yeah, so um, I I launched this People Cold Brew. Um, I thought it was a great name, super naive, 20-year-old 20, 20 entrepreneur. I was like, oh, this is great. I never ran a trademark search, never did any of that. Um, unfortunately, I probably, I would say I probably was not under the best guidance. Um, the person, a professor who was mentoring me, 
um, told me that it wasn't the most important thing, which I not can see that I just heavily disagree with. Um, but I filed, I tried to be smart in March and I filed for a trademark and we got rejected. And it was basically, there was a hit against a coffee shop, not even a product, but a coffee shop. And, um, a lawyer just told me, listen, you're in a, you're in a collision course with them. You're not, you're not really cranked into distribution yet where you can afford to change your name now. So I said, you know what? Pump the brakes. I changed the name. So our new name is Saol Cold Brew, S-A-H.O-L, Saol, meaning a play on words of life in Irish, life community. My best friend growing up was Irish. Um, so that name means a lot to me. And we're still able to use our same logo or same slogan, um, which is awesome. But yeah, we'll be launching in 20 plus stores in New England at the end of the summer under Saol Cold Brew. Very cool. Uh, all right. And so again, end of summer, you continue on the route that you're on, you go regional, continue to go regional, bring in some cash, duplicate the process, continue to open up a few more stores. Is that, is that sort of going to be the path, let's say for the next six months at least? Absolutely. Absolutely. We want to, we want to dominate New England before we ever look at any other regions. Um, we want to, we want to be king of our backyard and then, and then let, let people come to us and just, just keep grinding. King of the backyard folks, king of the backyard. Uh, it is a great way to build a business. Uh, it can be done that way. Don't ever let anybody tell you it can't. Uh, you, we talk about, uh, a, a inch wide mile deep uh, scenario. That's the one. Uh, Amon, good stuff. Uh, appreciate you uh, giving us the story. We're going to move this over to Mr. Del Grande, Heffernan Insurance. I know the guy. I know the guy. <laughs> I know the guy. Jason, tell us a little bit about Heffernan Insurance and what you do and who it's for. You got it, Mark. Thank you for the introduction. And as you know, I'm the broker for I1. And here at Heffernan, we're a national broker. We work with a lot of CPG companies and wineries. And we built a platform for the middle market that truly rivals what the top consultants deliver to the Fortune 500. So this robust suite of services includes employee engagement tools, wellness, compliance, um, human capital consulting, and true transparency around their medical and dental plans, um, along with some alternative funding um, strategies that have been very successful. So I love what I do. I love the space I'm in. And um, you know, we've been friends for 20 years. So I wanted to tell you congratulations on all the success you're having. Oh, my man. Uh, yes. So Heffernan and Jason specifically, uh, they do uh, handle our insurance. Uh, so I'm just sending that out there. He's actually handled, I think, insurance for the last however many ventures. Um, give us uh, one of the things that you think most companies like ours, maybe even in our space, don't know or should know about insurance requirements. Is there one specific thing that comes to mind? insurance requirements yeah what I do you find what do you find out when you're calling on somebody and maybe they they maybe don't even have a policy that they should um maybe you know give, give us what that looks like true well here in california i dominate this space and our governor made it mandatory that businesses like i1 have to offer an affordable medical plan so 
whether it's at a low contribution strategy of 50%, you have to at least offer it. Now your employees have the opportunity to take it or go to an exchange or buy it on their own or maybe even go on their spouse's plan. So it is a requirement by the state of California to offer benefits. There you go. See, you learn something new every single day. <laughs> there you uh, go. Jason Del Grande, Heffernan Insurance. There's info there if you want to reach out. Aman Ailani, info there if you want to check out some cold brew. Uh, be well, guys. I appreciate you having be, being on. Peace. Thanks, Mark. Peace.